0: Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. I'm Theo. And I'm Cordy. And together we host Freaky Freaky Franchise. Franchise, a podcast where we unmask horror movies based on quantity over quality. We watch horror franchises movie by movie and review every single one. That's right. We don't skip a single film, no matter how bad or difficult to find it is. And we ask the important questions, such as... Why are Freddy's arms so long? Why is there so much butt touching in these movies? And, of course, the most obvious. Is Candyman hot? It's hard to tell. <laughs> you can join us every other Friday at FreakyFranchise.com or wherever you find podcasts. Hello, friends and enemies! It's time for perhaps it's you, your favorite unofficial unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast. Podcast? Podcast. My name is Liz.
1: My name is Samantha.
0: Should we be telling people this is their favorite unofficial? There's, aren't there, like
1: sixty unofficial unsolved mysteries rewatch podcasts? Surely, we're not people's favorite.
0: Yeah, that's probably not true. I just find hubris really funny. so i i don't actually think that we are people's favorite but i find saying that hilarious
1: you know what if we put that out into the universe then maybe (laughs) it'll come true that's the secret i don't you know it's not a category on itunes on self-mysteries
0: so we don't know how we rank but that would be hilarious if that was its own it was like comedy finance wellness you know, whatever, which I think they only recently added true crime as its own category. And then all of a sudden it's just like unsolved mysteries. Oh. At this
1: point, I feel like it should be. But I mean, we're not Apple.
0: So we don't make the rules. No, we make very few rules. Um, we do want to say hello to BD Wong, wherever he is. Hope he's well. Hope he's safe. Hi, BD Wong. Yes. Hi, BD Wong. We assume I- you're listening. <laughs> I know he's listening. Uh, I start off with apologizing for my sound last week which was real fucking quiet. I don't think it was that
1: quiet. I mean it was and I was sort of enhanced it in post if you will.
0: It's it's pretty quiet. I I think we've got it sorted out today. Knock on wood. Look remote podcasting is not our thing and we're really trying to make the best of the apocalypse but it's it's been a struggle. Probably shouldn't admit
1: this, but we've had an issue with quiet microphones for like, I don't know how long we've been doing this, three years, two, (laughs) since like the beginning. And it took Mac all of five minutes to figure out that you could adjust the microphone volume independently, which seems like something we should have guessed at some point. Literally every time we would sit down
0: to record, we'd be like, well, it's quiet, don't know what to do about that. All right, let's go. I mean, I don't know that's the only problem. We probably have more than one problem, is the thing. Well, you know what? This is true. So it's probably not quite so easy to solve. So I hope if last week was your first time listening to the podcast, that you'll give us another try and not throw it in the garbage because of that sound. But maybe you did, and there's nothing to be done about that. I still think we're sounding better than we were when we first started remote recording.
1: So... We're, we're improving
0: <laughs> yeah. and
1: uh, that's
0: all that counts at least we're not depending on like trying to get to the Brooklyn Park Library to record and like banging on the door like let us in and they're like there's a pandemic no <laughs> there's like, always oh, a silver right. lining All oh, right, a pandemic Um, yeah do you have any updates Um,
1: I have a, uh, an announcement and that oh. is that we have some perhaps it's you merch uh but you have to be in Animal Crossing to get
0: it. <laughs> I was like, We do.
1: <laughs> Thank you to listener Alvin, who made some perhaps uh, first of all, I have perhaps it's you hat that I've been wearing in my Animal Crossing Island. My and- friend
0: Chris is wearing it too. I'm very excited. Amazing.
1: And Alvin also made some like Uh, custom designs that you can put up on your wall. I haven't been able to figure out the QR code thing with the Nintendo Switch, because I am like really new to this. But if you know how to do that, you can join our Facebook group find the post i made about animal crossing it shouldn't be that hard you can use the search bar and you will see kind of a thread of all of the things that alvin made it's amazing there's a there's a robert stack there's if you remember lip curtain the guy with the must (laughs) the the must very impressive mustache you could have lip curtain on your animal cross the wall of your animal crossing house uh you can get the perhaps it's you hat uh highly recommend uh, also, shout out and thank you to listener Kayla, who came and visited my island and gave me a fortune teller set, complete with tarot cards.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool.
1: So, uh, Kayla, I sent you some pears. Check your mailbox. They should be there. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Amazing.
1: By very important updates.
0: Okay, I have an announcement also. And that is that I would like to make a Perhaps It's You zine, our first zine. And so, I'm calling on uh, our five listeners to contribute—maybe um, artwork, maybe a comic, maybe a poem. I don't know something related to the perhaps it's you universe that we could include in the zine. So, if you could submit those to perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. And then, if it's included, you'll get a free copy of the zine, and you'll get three free months of our Patreon episodes. I am
1: so excited for this, because we have some hella creative and talented
0: listeners, and so I'm so excited to see what they come up with. I'm really looking forward to, yeah, seeing people's submissions and putting it together. I think it's going to be really fun. And then, um, we will probably sell that on our website, and then also get give that out to our top tier patrons as well is my my current thinking and i would say if you have any
1: questions feel free to reach out via email too oh yeah yeah
0: um yeah that's gonna be really fun how is the beanie baby zine coming (laughs) so me and friend of the pod rochelle are currently working on a zine we're currently collecting poems for a zine on beanie babies So, if you want to get in on that, too, I mean, you could send that over as well. They're they're poems from the perspective of Beanie Babies. And the ones that we've gotten so far from our friends are so good. Like, really have exceeded my expectations. I... You know, since we're all like stuck at home doing indoor activities, I asked Rochelle like, "Oh, would you like to make a zine together? Like that would be fun." And she's super into history, she's super into Sherlock Holmes, she's into true crime. So I thought maybe we would make like a little like factoid zine or something, which the great thing about zines is they can be literally anything. And she was like, "No, poems about beanie babies." <laughs>
1: This was Rochelle's idea. For yes. some reason, I associated this with you immediately.
0: That's because uh, <laughs> it makes no sense and is goofy as hell. And I it, like I was like, Yeah, do you want to do like yeah, like crime facts or you know, something like that? And she was like, No, poems about beady babies. And I it just blew my mind. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. So um the other night, my friend Chris, I was talking about that is also wearing a perhaps it's you hat, just like spontaneously wrote some haikus for it. And they were, like, the fucking funniest. I was, like, crying on our, like, video chat of him writing these haikus from the perspective of different Beanie Babies. Like, I don't have them in front of me, but I feel like I might be able to say one or close to one that was, <laughs> okay. was written from the perspective of the rooster named Strut, which was something like... You know, I hopefully I don't mangle his words, but with something like I strut down the street, pecking everyone I see. I know you like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it so much. I'm so excited.
1: And this really Brought me to, I mean, I, I played with beanie babies so much as a child. It was like our toy of choice. <laughs> and we had so many beanie babies. And of course, we ripped the tags off and made immediately worthless, according I to my that- mom
0: i think they're all worthless i wouldn't worry about it i don't think any of them really have value except maybe that princess diana one because it's so weird but
1: <laughs> well you did bring to my attention the peace bear of selling for fifty thousand dollars on ebay now i okay. don't think that means anyone's gonna buy it for that right. price
0: but right. just i putting... was kind of like anyone can put something on ebay for fifty thousand dollars that does not mean anyone's gonna buy it for fifty thousand dollars uh, someone is working on a poem of that famous photo of the divorce where the couple is splitting up the Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> There's going to be a poem about that. Um, yeah, maybe we'll sell that on our website, too. I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it. It looks like it's going to be hilarious. That's really exciting. I'll have more details as they come to fruition. Great. I know everybody is wondering about the weather here, and it's a motherfucking blizzard. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, what the fuck? Is it our? Po- is it? Okay, so I feel like we've had this podcast for like three years, and every single year of this podcast, there has been an April blizzard, which makes me think this is our fault.
0: I just thought that's what Minnesota was like. Is that not true? Is there not always an April blizzard? No. Because it seems like there is. Because no. it's happened most of the time I've lived here.
1: I'm sure I could
0: look this up on the internet, but
1: I feel like prior to the one we had three years ago, there hadn't been. There Maybe there had been snow in April, but not a blizzard. Like, not so much snow, like, plowable or, you know, whatever. We're going to get, like, six inches today. Like, what the fuck? Uh, it sucks. And it sucks especially because, well, a lot of us don't have to, like, commute in it tomorrow, thank goodness. Being outside, I feel like, has been, like, the only <laughs> thing that... <laughs> we've had to look forward to like oh at least i can take my dogs for a walk or whatever go outside and pull weeds or shit in my garden but now
0: all i have is fucking
1: yeah we have this
0: snow i mean i think it makes more it makes feeling inside can't talk it makes staying inside feel more appropriate where it's like yeah i'm staying inside there's a blizzard but also Max's gonna go shovel the sidewalk and not me so (laughs) it's easy for me to say that Yeah, the dogs were not happy when I just opened the door for them. And they looked at me like, where's the door to yesterday when it was 65 degrees? We don't want to go out in this. And it's like, don't blame you. Looks terrible. I pee in a toilet. So I'm a civilized being. Okay, should we end the waffle and get into the meat of Unsolved Mysteries? Seems like we should. Last week, I said that this was season five, episode five, and I was just wrong. It was season five, episode four. (laughs) I literally
1: thought we were covering episode five right up until the second I published the completed episode on our website, which I was like, wait, where was the last episode? Because what I normally do is I copy the previous one, and I just use that as my template. And I was like, wait, where is episode four? The last one I see is episode three. Was it this episode five yet? Yeah. But you know what? Time is meaningless at this
0: point and It's all a scam. It doesn't matter.
1: It is what it is. So today we are talking about season five, episode five.
0: Oh, yes, we are. Okay. Dear listeners, I'm going to start us off today. I go first. And we are talking about... No, wait. That's the wrong one. That's the one when I thought it was season five. Episode five. The actual season 5 episode 5, we're starting with a missing person. So this is the case of Patricia Carlton who going all the way back to January 14th of 1971. Um, but we start the case in spring of 1967 when her sister, Mary Urich, went to visit her and she had, as unsolved mysteries would like you to think a premonition of dread. She had a bad feeling. She went over to her sister's house. And when she arrived, so she found that her two children unattended. Uh, Her son was like playing on the porch and the door was wide open. And her daughter was like in the kitchen, just like playing in the sink, having a field day, as uh, Mary Urek said and my mother would say. Uh, (laughs) And so she asked the children, children. Which is also like the most wholesome thing to find children, unattended children doing. They were just like playing, having a good time. And she was like, Children, where's your mom? And they were like, Oh, she's asleep. And she was like, Huh, that's weird. And she found her sister, Patricia, passed out on her bed. Um, She was rushed to the emergency room and they determined that she had an aneurysm that was blocking blood flow to Pat's brain. So they ended up doing a risky surgery. I mean, particularly since this was in 67, um, that required like clamping off an artery in her neck in order to do the brain surgery the surgery was successful but it did have some complications meaning that her memory ended up being permanently affected by the surgery um when she awoke she had no idea who she was she didn't recognize her children she didn't remember how to do simple tasks like whatever um, she had to be taught how to do everything again, and because her husband was a total loser, he divorced her and took custody of the children. Because yeah, fuck that guy! Oh uh, yeah, that's terrible. But it was the uh, unsolved mystery. Said it was too much for him, so he bailed, and she had to like recover and rebuild her life all on her own. Um, in November of '68, a woman was hired to care for Pat called Marianne, and was. She was told that Pat had wandered off. Six weeks later, she was picked up in for vagrancy in Alabama, where she had lived where she was younger. So her sister comes to get her, and she's like, do you remember me? She was like, yes, I remember you, but I don't remember how I got here. You know, whatever. So she takes her back home. Was that
1: in the episode, that part about her having lived in Alabama before? Yeah, they mentioned it
0: very briefly. I
1: feel like I missed that. I feel like Unsolved Mysteries this whole time was making it seem like she
0: was just... Going to random places. No, her and her sister had lived there when they were children. And so I think that, you know. Some some, of her
1: long-term memory was still intact.
0: Right. That at some point in her wandering off, she remembered living in Alabama, but she didn't remember her current home in Texas. So she was trying to, you know, go home and find her loved ones. She just didn't have all of the information available to her. Um. After that, she meets her boyfriend, Troy, which there's this really cute reenactment that she's like outside. She's got her. okay. also, all the hair in this segment is so high, so close to God. You will not believe it.
1: Pat's sister's hair (laughs) is startlingly huge.
0: When she's talking to you in like Unsolved Mysteries present day, when she's telling her story, her hair is so goddamn high that it goes out of the shot. Like you can't see the top of her hair because it just it it could be like Marge Simpson. It could just keep going and going and going. We don't know because it's gone. (laughs) But anyway, she's sitting outside with like, I don't know if it's technically a beehive or what, but she's got like the up 60s beauty queen hair. She's sitting outside, maybe drinking an iced tea or whatever. And someone says like, oh, I want to introduce you to Troy. And apparently they was just like. He, he described it as this magnetism that they were just like instantly drawn to each other. And he didn't at first know that she was having these memory problems. But when he found out, he said that that didn't make him care for her less. It actually, in a way, made him care for her more because he was so concerned about her. Um, so they dated for several months and then married on January 3rd, 1969. Um, they He encouraged her to fight for... Ju- um joint custody of her children and a a court hearing was scheduled for may seven days before the hearing troy came home for lunch and found that pat had vanished her purse was still there her money her wallet her id whatever um that's when he found out that she had wandered off before nobody (laughs) nobody had told him that (laughs) um which, uh, okay. So um, after searching for three weeks, she was sighted on the other side of Houston. So he goes to pick her up. And in the reenactment, he, like, pulls up in his truck and he's like, hey, darling, can I offer you a ride or something? <laughs> I don't know. It's so sweet. And she couldn't explain where she had been for the past few weeks and just, like, clearly didn't want to talk about it, which I sort of take as a combination of her not remembering and her being embarrassed that she has this issue
1: That's what the reenactment made it seem, and I'm sure that's true.
0: Yeah. So in the next year, unfortunately, she wandered off seven more times, which is an awful lot to be worried about your spouse and their safety. The last time she left was on January 14th, 1971. She had been married to Troy for a year. At the time that she left, she had no identification or money. Um, For 13 months, there was absolutely no trace of her. Then she surfaced at a welfare office in San Diego, her memory was had clearly partially returned. She gave the welfare worker her maiden name and her birthplace, and the the worker was able to contact one of her aunts in Birmingham. However, this aunt is like not helpful and believed she was still in Houston, so like didn't do anything to follow up. Which what? I don't know what was up with that. They were like this. She's here.
1: And she's she's here. The last I heard, she was in Houston. Must be a mistake. What?
0: You don't want to look into that anymore? Call like someone...
1: her sister. <laughs> like, check
0: into this. Hey, I got a weird call. Like, what's this about? No, nothing. Yeah. yeah, nothing. Which, okay. Not all family is useful. So, um, after that, she's not... There's one last reported sighting of her in Washington in 77 when she was arrested. Which I don't think that was in the Unsolved Mysteries. But it's on an Unsolved Mysteries wiki. Okay. So, however, she has not been seen it since. Troy eventually remarried in 1975. Um, but they were very... Um, they made sure to tell you that with the support of his wa- his current wife, he was still continuing to look for Patricia. He clearly was worried about her and cared about her. And even though Troy had gone on to have this other life with a wife and children, he still wanted to know what happened to Patricia and if she was okay. Yeah, Troy seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, he was clearly like, this was someone that he cared about a lot and someone that he loved and the idea of them just like wandering off one day and never to be seen again is horrific um so then if you're me you're thinking oh this poor woman she probably died somewhere there was no one to identify her body you know she's one of these Jane Doe's my then, then the uh, the update comes up uh after 33 years she's fucking found <laughs> I could not believe it. I think I almost fell off the couch. Or I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, so let's go to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. It says, um, so sadly, Troy passed away in 97 without ever finding Pat, which does really suck. However, she was located alive and safe, living in San Francisco in August of 2004. 33 years after she disappeared. What happened was... So she lost even more of her memory because she had a stroke after the incident where she vanished. Oh. So I don't sad. think, yeah, so it seems like, I don't have a ton of information here, but it seems like she just, she whatever memory she had recovered, she lost again. Um, but when she was found, she still recognized and remembered her two sisters, barbara and marianne so in october of 2004 she was re- reunited with them and her children which must have just been so overwhelming um pat's family reports that she is safe and li- and living with them she has not wandered off since so, and unfortunately marianne passed away in 2005 only a year after the reunion but at least they got some time together so that is wild I could not
1: believe that update and I'm glad you had some more information because unsolved mysteries does this thing sometimes where it's like and she was found. All right, next one. And I'm like, "Wait, what? You yeah. found her?" That's incredible. So, they yeah.
0: They found her 33 years later and you're like, "Um, I'm sorry, what?"
1: So, That's it's wild. interesting
0: that they don't call this an amnesia case. I don't know if this technically doesn't count as amnesia, but this is a case where someone wandered off, lost their memory and was actually okay which is what unsolved mysteries is always trying to suggest happened to missing people and you go that seems very optimistic and naive and pretty unlikely well fortunately that is what happened to patricia carlton she was alive and safe and while she just didn't remember
1: yeah i thought that mystery was really interesting it's really too bad that troy never got to know
0: know what happened to her
1: what a fucking bummer
0: I know. I, it clearly was really important to him, and yeah, he seemed like a good guy. And he um, kept her children. He he. I don't know what the right ways to phrase that is. He continued to raise her children after her disappearance and was a father to them. So he was clearly like a stand up dude. Um, unlike her first husband, that was just kind of like see you never.
1: Yeah. What a fucking dirtbag. Also, the actor they found for Troy is incredibly attractive. <laughs>
0: He was a snack. I was like, wow. (laughs) You're like, no no wonder there is this magnetism. Actually, the actress that played her was very beautiful as well. She had this like perfect like porcelain skin and these like really pink cheeks and was just like, oh, hello. Uh, Yeah. So, of of course, let's hope those two reenactors hooked up. That would be awesome.
1: Oh, what a story. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I want a, a, a tale of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good one. Okay, we have a uh, wanted next and we are looking for the killer of Lucy Termel. So we are taken to uh, like a resort town in Canada called Banff. B-A-N-F-F. I 100% thought Robert Stack was saying Banff. Like, badass motherfucker.
0: (laughs) I find Banff very hard to say. Maybe and, I'm alone that, but... I
1: feel like it's impossible to pronounce the N. It comes out sounding like an M. Band, It's, it's banff. Yeah. But it sounds like bamf when you say it. So I'm going to say bamf, but um, yeah, anyway. Sorry, bamf anyway so lucy we do our Tram- best it, it looks like a beautiful place uh we get like a overhead like shot from like a plane um it's in the the mountains it's it's very very beautiful and we're told that lucy trammell uh moved there to sort of find like this paradise because Banff is sort of known as a paradise town uh lucy Tremell was a 23 year old cab driver she moved to Banff, Alberta in 1987 to start a new life. She started uh, work at 8 p.m. on the night of May 16th. She uh, basically had like a part-time job working as a cab driver. Since there's so many tourists in this town, they uh, need a lot of cab drivers to get them around. Um, so she enjoyed this job. And on the night of May 16th, 1990, uh, it was... Kind of a normal night. Nothing was strange. She spent most of, most of the night picking up people in the downtown tourist area. At the end of her shift, um, she had taken in just over $100. Around one forty a.m., she arrived at the Works Nightclub on Spray Avenue. This was probably going to be her last fare of the evening. Uh, while she was there, she spoke to another cab driver named Larry Letourneau. Uh,
0: a man Who has a fucking terrible mustache. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. Your mustache sucks. His um,
1: mustache sucked. And you know, okay, did you, the brother's
0: mustache, did you give it a name? Oh, I only gave Larry's mustache a name, which is the cloud licker. <laughs> makes it sound really gross it's like so pale and scraggly and like barely there it
1: is you kind of have to squint to see Larry's uh, mustache her brother is interviewed for the show and his mustache I thought we should name after the lift bridge in the (laughs) iconic lift bridge in Duluth because it makes it looks like a lift bridge it looks like a a big bridge
0: I think Uh, that's a fine name it was a solid name
1: I'm not sure if he like trimmed his his, it's I don't know if you would call it a soul patch when it's accompanied by like a mustache and like other facial hair, but it's like a triangle. It's very strange. And I don't know if you did that on purpose or what, but it's a look. It's to
0: summon demons.
1: Maybe. Well, let's hope. Okay, so a man and two women entered the back of Lucy's cab and she Okay, called... but
0: I have a question about Larry though.
1: Okay. The coworker.
0: Did, yes. did you feel like he was a little obsessed with her?
1: You know, I got this feeling like he was, it was because the way he acted was almost like you would expect a boyfriend yes. to talk about her. It was like, that was the vibe he was giving off. But as far as I could tell, they were just like co-workers. It didn't she even, they didn't even mention a friendship necessarily.
0: I'm not even, I didn't even get the impression that she'd been driving a cab for that long. Yeah, right? I don't think so. But he talks about her in this very, like, yeah, like, intimate way, which maybe they had, like, a fling or something, but I just sort of, I don't know. It stood out to me. Yeah,
1: I would say that's true. Um, And I think because she hadn't been there for very long, they probably didn't have a lot of, like, friends necessarily to interview for the show. And, I mean, he was the last person to see her, so I can see why they interviewed him. But, yeah, you're right. The way he talked about her was strangely intimate. So the man and woman entered her cab and she called uh, Larry heard her call out a destination to the dispatcher whose name was Bruce. About 12 minutes later, Larry contacted Bruce and asked if he had heard from Lucy, which he which Bruce had not, which maybe that was the part that I found weird when he was that he was like checking up on her. But I don't know. Maybe it was unusual not to like see her around again or something. Um. Bruce asked for Lucy on the radio, but didn't receive a response. Twenty minutes later, Larry decided to begin searching for Lucy. He passed by her last known destination as well as her house, uh, which was less than a and but then less than a block away. He spotted her cab. However, there was a man driving the cab. He followed the cab and he also called the dispatch. Who? Because he was like, well, maybe the dispatcher was driving her cab for some reason. And the guy was like, no, it's clearly been stolen. And he then he decides to, like, pursue
0: the stolen cab. Love? Then they have, What's like, a,
1: a car chase down, like, Main Street.
0: Yeah. He's like... But then again... Okay. It's nice that he checks up on her, right? But not that much time has passed. We're talking about, like, 15, 20 minutes. And he's like, is Lucy okay? Is Lucy okay? <laughs> and then he goes looking for her cab which it just seems like a lot to me it does seem like a lot i mean in hindsight i
1: mean we have the benefit of knowing that like something did happen to lucy but i feel like if this this might be unusual and creepy behavior if this if right. what happened to lucy didn't happen it's kind of like maybe this was her last fare. maybe she just went home
0: i see this all it's the just- time on like tv shows that have an ensemble cast like if one character is gone for like fucking 15 minutes everybody's like is something wrong what happened to 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 joseph and you're like it's been 15 minutes like calm down like in real life you don't see people for periods of time and you don't start to like panic about that
1: also it's two in the morning at this point like this is yeah, probably she her, just gone home? her last fair she probably just went home and maybe didn't feel the need to like tell larry that she was going home i don't but know anyway
0: he was right so i probably shouldn't question it but it did seem odd
1: he was right and then he proceeded to have this like car chase at 80 miles per hour down the streets of banff uh which the reenactment makes
0: seem pretty intense it's probably uh, the most exciting thing that's ever happened in banff uh, i'm pretty sure it was
1: uh he finally cornered the cab on a dead-end street but the unidentified man uh jumped out and ran into the woods tragically at about the same time lucy's body was found in the middle of a road a few miles away where her cab had been abandoned uh this is not something to this is not the time to make a joke but she was found on squirrel street which for some reason i find like the funniest name for a street
0: It's cute. It's a cute street name.
1: It is cute. I kind of want to live on Squirrel Street. Anyway, Why not? Poor Lucy. She was stabbed to death and dumped in the middle of the street. Uh, She had been stabbed repeatedly in the neck. Her murder... Oh my god!
0: I I missed that. That's terrible.
1: Her murder was the first to occur in the area in over 20 years. The killer took only her jacket, her wallet, and the $130 that she had uh, made that night.
0: Robbers that are listening to this show, I'm gonna plead with you. Look, maybe you're really strapped, something's gone terribly wrong. Maybe you seriously need that money. I don't know. You don't need to stab people in the neck.
1: Yes, I'm very uh, sure
0: she would have given that money. She didn't need to die.
1: That's the just thing. awful.
0: Like I don't know. It's, it sucks. So when her cab was examined,
1: blood was found on the seat, dashboard, and steering wheel. However, none of it belonged to Lucy, which was interesting. They speculated that she may have been stabbed outside of the cab, and the in the struggle, the killer accidentally cut himself. Uh, 18 hours after the killing, the murder weapon, which was a kitchen knife stolen from a local hotel, was found in the in a local driveway. This led police to believe that the killer was from
0: out of town, uh not sure why because <laughs> he, he didn't have his own knife at home i guess i guess steal a knife something you see on forensic files a lot that the blood in the cab kind of makes me think of is that um from stabbing so- this is gross but from stabbing someone your hand and the knife gets covered with blood and what can happen a lot is that someone's hand slips off the handle and onto the blade of the oh, knife because because of the blood is slippery right and yeah. that then they then they end up cut and then their blood is also in the like blood evidence right like not just the victim so i kind of wonder if in stabbing her that's how he injured himself and got his blood in the cab
1: that makes a lot of sense because in real like real life is not a movie right like in yeah, real life right. you get covered in blood and it's slippery and you fall and you slip your hand like that
0: right yeah
1: But, of course, uh, you would never think about that normally, because, yeah, what do you picture when you picture a stabbing? Probably from a movie.
0: Yeah, Freddy Krueger, like, stabs a bunch of people and then runs off to stab a bunch more people. But in real life, like, stabbing people is just, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard. More treacherous than that.
1: So Lucy's killer had never been found, and this is why uh, her death was featured on unsolved mysteries they're trying to find this person um so the unknown man was caucasian um he was probably in his mid-20s uh police were also looking for the three people who were uh lucy's last fair they were believed to have been dropped off in front of a large apartment complex so this case is solved In November of 1992, Ryan Jason Love was arrested and charged with Lucy's murder. So I'm reading this off of the Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Uh, He became a suspect after one of his roommates told police that the murder weapon was a knife that had belonged to Love. So actually, it wasn't Mm. stolen from a local restaurant.
0: Weird! That's very strange!
1: In fact, he had previously... worked at the Banff Springs Hotel. So maybe uh, it was his, but it was also stolen? I don't know.
0: He stole it, but he stole it years ago. You know what? That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Police collected DNA samples from all known suspects, except for Love, who refused their request. So two hmm. officers went undercover, posed as criminals, and befriended Love. They were able to get hairs from him?
0: <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me as so funny. That these these two poli- Canadian police officers who, judging by the interviews with uh, that are in the segment, are like the sweetest nicest people. <laughs> I don't know. Like they seem <laughs> so genuinely upset that Lucy was murdered, and this was the first murder in their town in twenty years. They seemed like moved to tears by this. The idea that they could like I don't know put on some fucking bandanas and leather jackets and just be like, "Hey, we like crimes."
1: That's what's so funny to me, the way this is written, is they just, they posed as criminals. How do they do that? Do they just walk up to him like,
0: hey, fellow criminal? Yeah, they just, they just went to pool halls and chewed a lot of gum. They would spit on the sidewalk and not even care. They were total litter bugs.
1: So somehow they, in this friendship, they were able to get a hold of some of his hair. And DNA t- <laughs> I'm picturing them, like, sneaking up behind him and just, like, plucking... DNA taken from the hair was matched to the blood found in Lucy's cab Love was 18 at the time of the murder and reportedly killed her because he wanted to impress his relatives with money at a family reunion
0: Wow, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard.
1: I actually read another article because he was so he basically, so he was convicted in 1994 uh, of second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with parole after 20 years. So he has since been paroled. And I read an article um, from the time that he was paroled, and it sounded like he was like drugs were a factor in some way. And so I don't, I'm sure, I, yeah. I do not. I'm a little skeptical of this family reunion thing. Maybe that's the reason he gave, but in the article I read later, they, like sobriety was terms of his parole because they thought that, that was a significant contributing
0: factor in his behavior. He um, was like, I can't wait till I roll into this family reunion, get a little hot, and then fan myself with $130. Everyone <laughs> is going to be so impressed. They're going to be like, that boy really made something of himself. We always thought he'd be in prison by now. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly
1: how he pictured it going down. So, like I said, in September of 2011, after 19 years in prison, he was released on parole. So, <laughs> poor Lucy, that really sucks. Uh, it seems like, you know, she moved to this small town hoping to have a new start and this town that was known to be sort of a paradise. And instead, she was fucking murdered over $100. She was.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was like, well, I'm not moving somewhere dangerous. I'm moving to Banff. And then that happened. Sucks. Yeah, that's awful. Okay, I'm going to tell the story of a very interesting lost love now. Uh, This is a really good segment.
1: I I... (laughs) totally agree.
0: (laughs) So this is the case of Georgia Boyd, and it goes back to 1977. Uh, the segment starts in, though, in July of 76, where we see a 21-year-old Georgia Boyd meet Daryl, not Gerald, Daryl, Ta- not Tracy, Tacy. <laughs> I will definitely say his name wrong several times. Daryl Tacy. They met at the fair in Richmond County, Georgia. So, we see uh, Daryl and one of his service buddies, they're just, like, at the fair, you know, have a good time, and according to the reenactment, they meet Georgia over by the carousel where she's wearing, like, a halter crop top and um, bell bottoms, and... Just looking like so 70s gorgeous. And he said he was really attracted to her dark hair and her mysterious dark eyes.
1: She was a woman of mystery.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I didn't realize that being brunette made you a woman of mystery, but (laughs) I fully embrace it. Okay, first question, probably of many.
1: Do you think... So they met in Georgia. She called herself Georgia. Spoiler, we will learn that is not her real name.
0: Do you think she met these dudes and was like, uh, my name is, uh, Georgia. She, like, literally looked up at a sign that was, like, Richmond County, Georgia, and she was like, hi, I'm Georgia. (laughs) Because... I'm a woman of mystery. She
1: also claimed to be from from the Cherokee Nation. She she sure did.
0: She claims that her, well, she at least claimed her father was Cherokee. Maybe she was smart enough to not claim her herself was Cherokee, but that she had grown up on a reservation in North Carolina, which I think was supposed to add to the, the mysterious nature because part of being racist is making people exotic. And I believe that word is used at some point. Oh, Robert Stack calls her exotic for sure. Yeah, gross. Okay. So on the night they met, he learned that she was a go-go dancer at a bar in Augusta. And the reenactments of this go-go bar, I could not love more. It is literally the woman who's playing Georgia, yeah, like in a crop top and booty shorts, just like barely dancing, just like (laughs) kind of like. Moving her hips slightly to size to side with her arms raised. This is how
1: I would dance if
0: I dance, which I don't. I would just like kind of
1: awkwardly shimmy around. (laughs) Am I sexy now? Like,
0: (laughs) give me money. I'm a go go dancer. (laughs) So he started spending all of his free time at the bar watching her dance. Sure, of course. Uh, he learned that she had two daughters, Sally and Angel, from her first marriage, which lived with an old woman named Granny, who was not actually related to her. We do not learn more about that, and I'm very sad about it. Who was yeah. Granny? Who was Granny? What was her deal? She seemed great. I don't know. We see an old woman in, like, a house coat, taking care of her kids for free? I'm not sure. Within two weeks, Georgia and her daughters moved into Daryl's house. Daryl noticed. Daryl, you know, he's he's pretty sharp. He noticed that Georgia was acting somewhat paranoid. Clues? Despite, oh, sh- despite noticing
1: something is off, Daryl asks a surprisingly few questions.
0: Daryl is chill and much more accepting than I might be of someone that I have known for two weeks and let move into my house. Uh, he doesn't see really the need to ask Georgia why she always keeps the c- curtains completely closed and why she won't pick up the phone unless he calls with like a prearranged series of rings so that she (laughs) knows that it's him but she eventually admitted that she was worried that her ex-husband would come back and try to kidnap the children which seemed to be explanation enough on several occasions, Georgia was harassed and even stalked by unknown individuals. One night when Daryl went to pick her up from the bar, he found her talking to two well-dressed men. And they're just like guys that like, I don't know, they look like they work for the government, at least according to the red Action. They're wearing like hideous dark suits that don't Listen, fit right and the sunglasses. Men in black, right. Yeah. I feel like that's how we have to describe it. Like our our listeners know. Men in black. Yeah. And when he was like, hey, you know, what are those guys that clearly aren't here for a titty bar? uh, What are they doing? She was like, oh, don't worry about it. They're nobody. And Daryl's real cool. So he was just like, all right, man. Sounds good. Daryl, again, asks no follow-up <laughs> questions. Uh, a few weeks later, three members of a motorcycle gang called the Devil's per- Disciples showed up at a club and were harassing Georgia.
1: Is that what we should have called our listeners instead of Mystery
0: Solvers? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> the Devil's if we, Disciples. If we ever create another Patreon tier, it'll be the Devil's Disciples. Yes. Um. So they were at the club harassing her, and when Daryl asked hey what's happening here she was like okay look i used to run with the devil's disciples in atlanta they want me back but i told him i refuse to go and so, again
1: what does daryl do all right he's just, he's just like all right
0: that makes sense to me a man of few words uh so he you know being the good the good boyfriend goes to pick her up from work and the bike gang guys are in a van and they like chase them through the streets while georgia's like yelling like ah they're right on our tail and he's like i know it hun we're gonna get out of this and this reenactment is kind of funny because the whole time she's like they're
1: right there and you could tell reenactor gerald is like yeah i can see them
0: <laughs> yeah he's like yeah thanks georgia you know, some more information about, like, why they're so mad would be helpful more <laughs> than you just pointing at a van. But whatever. This is stopped because eventually the police, like, pull them over. Like, why the hell are you speeding through the streets? And the, the van uh, has to go. So, um, but she didn't really explain to the police officers. She was like, oh, I don't know who those guys were. She didn't, she didn't, like, she kept her mysterious secrets to herself. She did sometimes claim that her ex-husband was behind it. What? Okay, this reenactment is like kind of hilarious, kind of terrifying. We see a door that has the chain on it, but is not locked, right? So the door opens, it's caught by the chain, a man's arm comes through, like grasping, and is a guy's going, I'm gonna get you. (laughs) Which I feel like is like a nightmare I had as a child. Possibly because I saw this part of Inside Mysteries. I don't know. But it seems like so ridiculous that that's like what harassment would literally look like. Like a man's (laughs) arm going, I'm going to get you. Like very blatant. It is Uh, a
1: little bit ridiculous. And then it's made slightly more ridiculous by the actress that plays George's like blood curdling scream. It's like literally out of like a bad horror movie.
0: Yeah, yeah usually when stuff like this happened it was when daryl was not home but in this case with the arm he was home so he got his gun and his little, goes t- his tiny little revolver i had yeah. squint to see it <laughs> i don't know if that's like an army issue thing or that was just his gun but he got the gun and then went outside but the whoever's arm that was was already gone and they called the police but the police didn't find anything um uh, in 77, Daryl was reassigned from to uh, Fort Ord in Northern California. So they both move out west and on the way there, they get married. Um, oh, sorry. That actually happened before the arm thing. So now they're living together in Northern California, but the harassment has continued, right? Several days later, the intruder painted a message on the back door that said, I'll get you, Jet. And Gerald, Gerald was like, uh, is this a nickname for you? And she was like, no, I don't know who that is. Who's Jet? Not me. Gotta go.
1: The way Robert Stack describes it was he assumed that was one of her <laughs> nicknames from yeah. when she ran with the devil's disciples. Did he, doesn't seem to be true, but he assumed so. <laughs> well <laughs> man is married to this woman at this point <laughs> and knows almost nothing
0: about her past. He was, he was like, she told me she'd tell me later and that seemed to literally be good enough for him like she said she'd fill me in on the details later we just hadn't gotten to that part <laughs> all right whether or not her nickname like because earlier i think she had said that one of her nicknames for georgia was jerry which kind of makes sense but i think
1: he I, called her jerry too yeah so he was like oh jet must be another nickname she was like nah,
0: nah and he was I like
1: okay <laughs> That seemed to be the
0: extent of it. I'm sure someone's just going around the neighborhood panning. I'll get you jet on the back of all doors. That's a normal thing to do. Sure. Um, in in August of '77, she gave birth to their son. Um, but there was complications with the birth, including that she violent headaches. So she was eventually hospitalized and slipped into a coma.
1: That was her set. They had two. They had two kids. I think. Oh
0: yeah, you're right. And okay, so she was. Were- <laughs> She had complications with her first son. Then yep. they moved back to Daryl's hometown of Michigan. I'm looking at Unsolved Mysteries Wiki now, so I get this all right. They moved back to Michigan. Then, after the birth of their second son, there's more complications. She's hospitalized and slips into a coma, where is diagnosed as having an aneurysm.
1: She had headaches so bad that it lasted for three weeks, and she couldn't even get out of bed. And at which point, he had to call an ambulance. Ugh.
0: Horrifying. Horrifying. Uh, something to keep in mind if you think that women should just give birth. Okay. So, a few days later, she died at the age of 22, leaving behind Daryl and four young children. When Daryl tried to contact George's family members, he realized he had never actually met any of them. <laughs> huh. In fact, he had almost no idea about her past. He called a man with his father's name, but the guy was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have any children. so daryl went on a like mission back to the bar in augusta where georgia used to work to ask about her and her family and everyone there
1: asking these questions before she died
0: (laughs) but everybody claimed not to know her even though he knew that they did because he used to go to that bar all the time.
1: This is my theory about her giving him the name Georgia. Like, does he know that she was employed under that name? I kind of think she wasn't. Because when yeah. he showed up years later, it was like, don't, this, don't you remember Georgia? And they're like, we don't know
0: who we you're talking We don't know what Georgia. Yeah, it would have really helped if he had more than this one grainy photo of her.
1: Yeah. And a name that they probably didn't know her by because there's a good chance she was employed under her real name.
0: <laughs> I'm also kind of guessing that legally they're not married because I'm not sure she used her real name. Yeah, I don't know the legality of their marriage, to be honest. Okay. So um, so he took this as everyone was like stonewalling him and didn't want to talk, but maybe honestly they had no idea what he was talking about. So he contacted a local TV station and this is this made no sense to me to air a picture of Georgia for 24 hours. So they, they do
1: that with missing persons. They will air someone's photo like every hour for like 24 hours, but that's wasn't the case here. And it seems like they were kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they people with any information were supposed to contact him, but for unknown reasons, it was only shown once for a few st- seconds. And when he asked the TV station about it, they told him to drop the subject. <laughs> What? Which admittedly sounds suspicious. The Augusta police were also evasive or I don't know, just not helpful. Daryl did not understand why nobody is willing to talk to him about Georgia and his family and her family. All he knows is that she was apparently from Augusta, Georgia, and that her father was Native American. I don't think either of those things are true. He is searching for her family because he wants to tell them what happened to her. And he also wants her daughters and their sons to be reunited with his family. Okay, so this is solved. Uh, Thanks to viewers' tips, Daryl learns that Georgia's real name was Edith Geraldine Johns-Moore and that her family lived in Savannah. So her daughters, Sally and Angel, were reunited with their biological father for the first time in, like, 12 years or something like that and they also met their other re- relatives they also were in for a surprise that edith had two more children
1: that's a lot of children ronda
0: eugene before did the she had, age of 22 said that she had had seen a relationship prior to stanley of an angel so they are all united the reasons why she was harassed and kept her past a secret are unknown did you do any additional research on this case there is nothing so there I is found, literally a discussion board on Georgia. That's all I could find.
1: Did you find the claims on Reddit that she had had her first children at a ridiculously young age?
0: No. That
1: was... And I'm not going to present this as fact because it was a fucking Reddit comment. But it what was suspicious to me about it is that she had... How many... Five children?
0: Uh Under? Four, I think. Well, she had, no. She had had six. Because she... Okay, she has... The two children she has when she meets Daryl, she has two children with him, and then it turns out she had two children from a previous relationship. So she's had six children by the age of 22.
1: Which is the only thing that made me think maybe there's something to this comment, because that is so many children to have before the age of 22. Yeah. And I don't know if that's indicative of why she didn't want to tell him about her past. Um, There's no other information, so I don't even know if it's true, but there's a chance that she had some trauma, is, is what I'm saying.
0: She has to have had those first set of children very young, just time line wise. And it makes me wonder if that's why she was not in touch with her family. Is it maybe they kicked her out or, yeah, you know, the exactly, relationship yeah. between them were no longer good? Because for her to be, I mean, how old is she when she meets Gerald? I don't know. Probably 19. 20? Or 19 or 20? Yeah, 19. Mean, yeah. And she, she has two children. And so to go back further than that and have another two children she's definitely having them as a teenager possibly a very young teenager. Yeah. So, yeah. I uh, yeah, I'm guessing who knows this thing with like the biker gang that's really weird. The whole story uh, is kind of wild, honestly. She was a woman of mystery. Yeah. Not because she was brunette, but just because <laughs> she length. had she she uh was willing to marry a man and tell him literally nothing about herself. (laughs) That's a mystery. Why he asked very few questions is another mystery, but you know what? He seemed fine with it. Yeah. And he really only wanted to find her family just so that he could let them know that she had died. Honestly, like
1: we make fun of those daryl guy but he seemed like a nice guy too he raised her children he did. no he really does. and he was like look i don't care what she did in her past i just want to know who she was and i want to tell her family that she's dead because as far as i can tell no one fucking knows
0: yeah and they didn't know so and, and they wh- wouldn't have ever known if he hadn't um tracked them down with unsolved mysteries that would have been an unknown for them i don't yeah. know if they were looking for her or not that's not clear but at least they know the truth and her children could be reunited with their siblings and maybe yeah. that's some family that they need. It's a, it's a good segment. Yeah. Okay. All right, we got lo- one last one. This is... Do you remember what this was? Was this a... This was an unexplained person, an
1: unexplained death. Okay. So this is kind of a a new segment here on Unsolved Mysteries. We are looking for the identity of an unknown uh person an unknown woman found murdered in Panasof Geek, Florida. So on February 19, 1971, two teenagers hitchhiking along Interstate 75 discovered the body of a young woman who had been tossed from the Lake Panasoffkee Bridge in Florida. The woman was in her late teens or early 20s. She carried no identification and had been dead for several weeks. She had been strangled with a man's belt that was still wrapped around her throat. Police were unable to identify the woman or locate her killer. She was laid to rest six months later. So ten years later, the case was reopened by Sheriff Jamie Adams, and her body was exhumed. Sheriff Adams had forensic anthropologist Dr. William Maples
0: investigate the body of the young woman. So yes, if- clearly this police department like suddenly got a bunch of money because <laughs> this all sounds very expensive.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and Robert Stack, uh, first of all, is in a various- very unusual outfit for Robert Stack he's wearing like a white turtleneck in like this... with a
0: blazer over it oh, yeah
1: yes. he looks um, like he's at a boat show maybe that's where he came from I don't know probably but he talks about Sheriff Jamie is having like I don't know this personal like crusade to find it was
0: it, that guy's creepy right can I say that he comes off a little creepy he where he's like as a daddy and a granddaddy and i was like nope don't like either of that Uh, uh-uh. no not at all and he also
1: in trying to justify why he was doing this why he was like reopening this cold case he kept referring to a sunday school teacher that must love this woman
0: yeah that seemed um optimistic to say the least this is he, he other
1: was things- really
0: he was really stuck on sunday school teachers and that maybe one of them will be able to identify her.
1: What I, I think like- compounds the creepiness to this is that the way he talks about this woman who died, and she was a woman, she was in her 20s, it makes her sound like I actually had to like, almost rewatch this segment. And He's talking like, about it like
0: she's six years old. Was this a
1: child? No. Yeah. This one- a grown-ass woman who we'll find out yeah. later had had a child of her own this is not a baby but this man talks about her as a, he's like there must be a sunday school teacher out there that's looking for this lady or this girl like, what she's yeah, an adult <laughs> anyway so it's weird but he did reopen this case and none of know. my
0: sunday school teachers have seen me in a real long ass time and guess what they're not looking for me
1: Yeah, we're actually, to make it clear, looking for the identity of this uh, grown-ass woman. (laughs) But he did reopen this case, which is admirable because it seems like, you know... They could have easily just said, oh, sure, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, we're not looking into this anymore. It's a cold case. Put it on the shelf. Um, so the Dr. William Maples investigated, uh, reexamined the body of the young woman. He discovered that she had had orthopedic surgery on her right ankle, which was done by drilling holes in the leg bone and then winding the tendon through the holes. This was called a Watson-Jones or modified Watson-Jones technique and he believes that a physician who performed the surgery would possibly remember doing the procedure. Okay, sure, that's a clue. Yeah, Sheriff Adams next contacted forensic artist Lin- Linda Galener who is an expert in making composite sketches based on human remains. I do not know the efficacy of this technique. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. They, take, they take a picture of the skull and they put Like a semi-transparent paper over the top, and then they just draw what the person would look like, and what they come up with doesn't like totally look like a normal human. I'm not sure,
0: Uh, but that's what they do. It's a wild guesstimation. I mean, it's like based on the structure of the skull, but you know, your whatever your flesh can be different. Like, yeah, there's all sorts of factors. So Um,
1: it seems a bit sketchy to me, but. At any rate, they don't have much else to go on. Um, she also created age regression sketches to show how the victim may have looked at a younger age.
0: Because this guy's, like, obsessed with her being a kid.
1: Yeah, this is the other reason why I was kind of like, wait, what? how old was this person? Which I guess I kind of understand. Like, maybe you would recognize this child, but... It's made up, also. Wouldn't it be more likely to have someone recognize her, like, closer to the age when she had died? Like... At the as, very like, end, I don't remember that well what kids look like. If like, like I don't really yeah remember what like my niece and nephew look like. They're older now, right? I, re- I know what they look like now. I don't necessarily remember
0: what they look like as as six year olds. Yeah, I guess the idea was maybe people hadn't seen her for a while before she died.
1: Sure, I guess I don't know.
0: At the very end, they do a like more modern version of it, and they've somehow reconstructed the clothes she was wearing. Which is like a very 70s outfit with like a poncho and these like printed pattern pants. And Matt just goes, Well, at least we know she was cool. (laughs) Because it is a pretty great outfit.
1: It honestly is. So um, they estimated her age at about 20 years old. She had great amounts of surgery done to her legs and extensive dental work, including crowns, caps, and fillings. She had also given birth to at least one child. So again, we're talking about an adult. Police suspect that the woman may have been. may have left family behind who may uh, remember who she was. Uh, so let me see. Where was I? So I'm reading off the Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Unfortunately, her identity was never discovered. Um, a bummer. In 2012, a new analysis of the victim's isotopes unveiled her that her origins were probably from Greece. Uh, in the fall of 2012, her case was featured on a Greek missing persons show. One viewer called in, and I identified the victim as a friend of hers, whose name was Const- Constantina, uh, who had a brother serving in the navy near Livrio. Lev- she said that that both her and Constantina went to school in K- Kifisia, which is a suburb of Athens, and were taught home economics. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, the caller. Uh, Constantina and several other girls were part of a program for that school that sent them to either the United States or Australia with a two-year contract for work. The caller said that she had lost contact with Constantina when they were both sent to separate countries. The caller to Australia and Constantina to the United States in 1970. When the Greek show was updated, another viewer called in claiming that the two girls Went to the United States with Constantina and that their whereabouts were also unknown. However, a daughter of one of the girls allegedly with Constantina saw the updated show and called to say that her mother was actually alive and well and was actually sent to Australia, not the United States. So it's really not clear if this is, if there's huh. anything to this. Um, there is a picture on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki of Constantina, uh, like the actual woman. Yeah, yeah. Who they're claiming was the identity of, oh, by the way, they called this, uh, jane doe little miss Panasofki, which i think is and i'm pretty sure that sheriff jamie adams is the one that came up with that name yes and it's patronizing and weird so uh they they i like don't even want to say it because it kind of squeaks me out but yeah they called her little miss Panasofki. so uh the updated picture of hers does sort of resemble constantina but also kind of doesn't i don't know there's basically no uh relatives of constantina have been able to be located so they can't do uh dna testing so pro- it's it's huh, what happened to
0: constantina
1: so we don't actually hear from any relatives of constantina we just hear from a woman who was her allegedly her friend in school yeah. who said this looks like her and but i lost contact with her when we went to different sure. so I don't even know if Constantina is missing, was missing. I, right. I have no idea.
0: That's but interesting, though.
1: Uh, yeah. Anyway, she hasn't been identified. But you know what, uh, baby, with, you know, there's the family gene- genealogy stuff that sort of become popular. Sure. yeah, yeah. Maybe this is an instance where she will be identified at some point.
0: Well, hopefully we get an update on that. Yeah. I, I so. did really like the reenactment of the two very 70s dudes who found the body. One <laughs> who has his shirt unbuttoned, like basically to the waist. And the other one is wearing this very thick cloth headband that's made from the same fabric of his shirt, which is kind of this celestial pattern. I, oh, it's beautiful. That's, that's a look. All right. I well, ha- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, didn't have any mustaches from that one. I had a mustache from the last segment I forgot to mention, which was reenactment. Daryl had a mustache.
1: Oh yes. He turned.
0: Uh, I called it the precise young man. Nice. Yeah. Because was he was, was this like buff military dude with a very like little daily upkeep kind of mustache.
1: <laughs> totally. Alright,
0: should we rate this episode? I think we have to by law
1: mysteriousness
0: you know what kind of mysterious i
1: actually agree yeah
0: this last case is mysterious even though we find out who georgia is we don't really know who georgia is she's still a mysterious young woman
1: she's in fact a woman of mystery
0: she really is and what else did we talk about today lucy's killer her
1: murder was solved but it was mysterious at the time
0: yeah, and then we have Patricia, who was missing for 33 years and Find Alive. That's super uh, mysterious. So yeah, I'm going to give it yeah, a thumbs up. That gives a thumbs way up for me.
1: Reenactments?
0: I thought pretty good. Uh, the go bar reenactments are hilarious. There's two car cheese scenes in this episode. Uh, both of those reenactments were fairly well done. Uh, the arm coming through the door, hilarious. Okay, Georgia's reenactments are more funny than good. But, there's but in a way that us- makes it good. Yeah, I really do like that segment. And I thought some of the other reenactments were actually well done. So thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. And I got to give it a thumbs up for fashion, too. Honestly, there's great fashions in this. We get lots of 70s fashions. We get the highest hair I have ever seen in my goddamn life. Uh, we get men wearing headbands. We get crop tops. We get all kind of bell bottoms galore. We got sweaters. Robert Stack is wearing a turtleneck.
1: I think this is a menagerie of different
0: yeah and i love it i think people should really watch this episode pick a look and try to recreate it (laughs) please do that look you got time post it our facebook group yeah make a little quarantine just the things you got around the house if you have to braid some um tea towels together so you can make a cloth headband so be it let's see these quarantine reenactment Looks
1: unsolved mysteries cosplay. Yes,
0: I'm all on board for unsolved mysteries cosplay. All right. So,
1: on a possible zero to five Robert Stack scale, what are you thinking? I'm thinking a four. I think I have to agree. This is. I feel like we've had some duds. Last week was for sure a dud, and compared to that, this was thoroughly
0: entertaining. I watched it twice. Very good. Enjoyed it both times. There is good mysteries in here. Uh, the pacing is good. There's four stories. Um, I, none of it is like so spectacular that I'm going to force someone to watch it. But all in all, very good episode. Yeah, I agree. Poor, four, four. Four Robert Stacks. Four, four. Four. Robert Stacks out of five Robert Stacks. <laughs> all right. Do you have a recommendation? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I'm going to recommend a little film nobody's ever heard of. Just kidding. I'm recommending Parasite. (laughs) 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 Uh, It run the Oscar. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, It's on Hulu now, though. Oh. And I had not seen it because I had been waiting for it to come to my favorite theater, the Riverview. Been waiting and waiting and waiting and looking every week to see if it was there. And then a pandemic had to be really rude and ruined my plans. So I hadn't seen it yet. It's on Hulu now. It came out to Hulu for my birthday. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Hulu. And I watched it last night, and it lives up to the hype. It's fucking solid. It's a very good movie. I've
1: been wanting a movie to watch. Maybe I'll watch that. I've been tossing around um, watching Midsummer because it's for it's Ooh, yes. on Amazon Prime, and I'm not usually into horror movies. But you saying that movies braises, but you know, maybe I'll I'll check out Parasite in addition.
0: I think you would really like Paris. I didn't
1: realize it was on Hulu and I pay for Hulu every month forgetting that I still have Hulu and (laughs) I should maybe get my $6 worth.
0: Yeah. I think that will make it worth it. It's, I don't want to say a ton about it. I know everybody's already heard about it, but I did think that it lived up to all the hype. It's remarkably well done. Just the pacing, everything is so well thought out. You got great characters, great writing, all that stuff. Um, I saw the director say that when he was making it, he thought he was making a very Korean movie and was surprised that it has like such universal appeal, except that, as it turns out, we all hate capitalism. (laughs) And I and I kept thinking about that while watching the movie. Like, yes, this does this this does relate to to me and to so many other people uh, because we hate capitalism. It brings us together as a society. I love it. Yeah, it's oh, it's really good. Uh, so if you haven't s- seen that yet, if you like me, we're waiting for it to come to some other theater or whatever. Now is your chance to get your money's worth out of Hulu. Awesome.
1: Okay. I am recommending something that a lot of people have probably already found as well. And that is a Netflix original, like one of their limited series that came out pretty recently and it's called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Oh, yeah. So... This was recommended to me by a friend of the pod, Jaina, uh, a friend of ours who said it was really, really good. And I honestly probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have chosen this. It just didn't really appeal to me. Like when yes, I same. watched the little blurb, same. but she had said it was super good. And I thought I had seen some other people on Facebook, like singing this, the praises of this show. And so I decided to watch it and I thought it was really good. Um, the gist of it is there is a scandal in a drug lab. Um, and two it's actually two different scandals and they're sort of this basically the they're both the same in that chemists at this at these two different drug labs um in the same area uh were falsifying the results of their drug analysis so when when police officers arrest someone for drugs they will take the evidence, the drugs, and they will have it analyzed at a lab so you can definitively say this is heroin, this is crack cocaine, whatever. Um, People already know that, I'm sure. But it's critical to the fair quote-unquote fair prosecution of these crimes because if it's not drugs, then you should not be prosecuted. You should not be going to jail for having sugar in your pocket or whatever. Vitamin Um, powder. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but the gist of it, and I won't go into too many details so I don't want to give away too much, but there's one chemist who was, it seems like she was trying to like basically help the prosecutors and so she was making up like false positives, no. um, things like that. And then there was another woman who was actually addicted to drugs herself and so she was stealing the drugs. Oh, damn. And using them. And there's a lot more to the story as far as like systemic issues, cover-ups. Um, there's a ton of heroes that are like throughout this documentary that are fighting for the rights of incarcerated people who were you know incarcerated because of basically they put people behind bars Um, this is the evidence that without it they would not be in prison so there's like people you can root for there's obviously there's some tragedy and there's some really sad stories but there's also some like happy like triumphs throughout it so it's it's also really revealing like a lot of these documentaries is pretty revealing about the justice system. It's not like super surprising. If you listen to our podcast, you probably are like us and you're aware of these injustices, but I thought it was a well done documentary and it's a shorter limited series than others. Okay. Like, I, I watched it all in one evening. Um, oh, okay. I think there's, there's only a few. Ep- I mean, I watched them all back to back. So I don't know if, exactly how many episodes there were, but I th- want to say there's like three or four. It's not as many. Um, so if you're looking for something to watch and you want something true crime, that's a little bit different <laughs> than murder. Um, I would recommend it. Um, it's not like the most uplifting thing to watch. So if you're looking for like pure escapism, maybe choose something else. But I enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, that sounds good. I would watch that. Yeah. I would say just, just the title and the uh, you know, little blurb did not draw me in. But that actually sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, it didn't draw me in either. And if I hadn't been recommended it by someone, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But I did like it. So I'm recommending it to all of you.
0: Okay, I will try, before this episode gets out, to update our website to be up to date so that if people are looking for shows to watch, podcasts to listen to, books to read, whatever, you can uh, go there and browse our, our past recommendations. Great idea. All right. I think that's the end of our episode. Sounds good. Let's plug our shit. It comes to a close. Did you know there's a thing called Twitter, Instagram? a facebook group why we're on all of them
1: you can find us we're at perhaps it's you on all platforms highly recommend our twitter liz does a great job Tweet see some... me fight with people on twitter. <laughs> it's entertaining uh... every day and then our facebook group uh, we have a facebook page too you can give that a like but our facebook group is a great place to interact with people again you can find my animal crossing post friend me, yeah, uh, yeah. Send, send me rare
0: fruits um uh, <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I think i'm gonna get animal crossing because i really want to wear the hat i mean
1: if that's the reason then you know let it so be it i think you would really enjoy it
0: i'm a little worried about leaving my house unattended and it getting full of roaches but I, do.
1: a, I don't think that's that happens.
0: Is that a thing that happens? Someone told me it is. If
1: you like you don't play for a long period of time? Yeah. Oh, interesting. See, I play like fucking every day
0: now, so I wouldn't know, but I think if you leave your house unattended, it's like, you know how your tomato would die? Oh, yeah your, yeah, your house will get full of roaches if you See, don't.
1: I'm still pretty new to this game. Shout out to some of our listeners who taught me some things recently. Uh, but it's Also just... your
0: your villagers will get bored and just wander away.
1: Yeah, they will ask to leave, which is sometimes a good thing if you don't necessarily like the ones you got. because uh, when they leave you then you can get better ones. Oh. But
0: I have so much to learn. You, you okay. do, and I think you would really enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Um anyway, we were plugging our stuff. Yeah, follow us. Uh email us, perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Submit you your like, yes.
0: submission. If you have a zine submission, send it there. If you have a spooky paranormal tale you want to share with us, send it there. We also have a website, perhaps it's you.com. There's a form on there. You can fill that out. We also have a
1: Patreon. You can support our show. Uh, just a dollar a month will get you access to a whole bunch of bonus content. I don't know that we know what we're going to do this month. We, okay. ha- we release
0: a bonus episode every month. I have a suggestion. Okay, let's hear it. There is a show called Celebrity Ghost Stories. Oh, and I, I saw that there's an episode where John Waters tells the story. Okay, I think we have to do that. I didn't know that was a
1: show. Where is that at? Um, is that Amazon?
0: I, I want to say Amazon.
1: Oh, I've never heard of this. But it sounds really interesting.
0: Uh, there's a best of at some point, too. I Okay, look, celebrity is being used loosely. A lot of these people <laughs> are very, very low down on the famous, famous list. But maybe we could pick out a couple episodes of celebrity ghost stories to watch. I think that's a good idea. All right, okay.
1: yeah, check us out. Patreon.com search perhaps it's you. Um is that it?
0: Give us a five star review. You know we deserve it. Just like that rooster walking down the street knows you like to be pecked, you know <laughs> that we deserve a five star review. That's
1: the best request for reviews <laughs> I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> and that's it. Okay, everyone. Stay safe. Be well. Say hi to BD Wong. Bye.